0: All right, so we're starting a new chapter, Luke 21, and that's a, that's a big chapter, because in Luke chapter 21, uh, Lord is going to talk about end times, and uh, we're not going to get into that this week, but uh, that's a big chapter, and hopefully when we get back together again for the class, I'll have that all worked out uh, to where it, uh, you know, it's amazing what is out there concerning this stuff. But uh, first of all, in Luke chapter 21, we are going to look at what has been called the widow's might, right? And so I titled the the lesson as Summon, Summon Substance. Summon Substance. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 21, and we'll read the first four verses. And if you will, uh, turn to Mark chapter 12 and find verse 41. So uh, put your finger in that spot as well. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 21. And it says, And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God. But she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. Lord God in heaven, as we come to this passage, uh, Father, there, I pray, Lord, that we would uh, kind of look at this with uh, through your eyes. And uh, Father, uh, help us, guide us, lead us, direct us, Lord, in our understanding concerning this. Uh, Father, I pray for those who are ailing, who are battling cancer, who are facing surgeries. Lord, I pray that your grace would be sufficient uh, upon their lives and that, Lord, they would um, make wise decisions for those things that they need need to make decisions about. And I pray that surgeries would be successful. I pray, Father in heaven, that treatments uh, would also be successful. I pray, Father, for this church. I pray for its members. I pray, Father in heaven, for their faith and for their their walk with you. I pray, Father in heaven, for their daily needs, that you would meet them. I thank you and I praise you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so notice the word and there in verse 1. That tells us what? That this is really a continuation of what was going on before. So the Lord is still in the temple right and uh, he's he's been teaching the people he has been dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees so he's had a very very busy busy morning busy day so far now I ask you to turn to Mark chapter 12 because Mark chapter 12 is the companion verse Uh, if you will, to this scenario. So let's look at Mark 12. So we'll have both of these uh, passages in our mind to help us set the scene. And it says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury For all they did cast in of their abundance But she of her want did cast in all that she had Even all her living So same story right But we have some further detail to help us flesh out uh, the scene so We learn from these two passages that not only were there rich men, like what Luke was talking about, putting in these offerings, but the other people were. So all the people, including the rich folks, including this widow, uh, were casting in money in the treasury of the temple. Now remember, Jesus had just given uh, the the religious leadership uh, essentially their last chance to repent, uh, their last warning. Uh, If you remember back here in, uh, uh, what is it, uh, 19 or 20, uh, we looked at the parable of the vineyard. And again, chapter 20, and he just got done dealing with the Sadducees and their attempt to entrap him. He'd been teaching uh, the people all that morning. And so according to Mark's gospel, uh, Jesus went over to sit over against the treasury. So what is this saying to me is that uh, Jesus uh, is taking a break, is what he's doing. And he probably found some shady spot there, uh, right there in the treasury, and uh, to get out of the sun and to take a, a little bit of a breather. A little bit of a rest is what is, is the scene that's going on. And of course, his disciples and maybe even some of the people, they may have followed him over to this place. And they, you know, they were hanging out with Jesus. And, you know, Paul says in Galatians 6, 9, he says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall weep if we faint not okay so we shouldn't be weary and well-doing but let me ask you guys a question (laughs) okay can service and ministry be exhausting sometimes yeah you know it can you know it can uh get you get off of work and you 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 hurry home to fix a quick meal and then off you are to uh uh choir practice or praise practice or uh, maybe you have to come and, and uh, attend a meeting or, or come and, and be here on Wednesday night or, or whatever. Uh, maybe you were part of the group that was assembling the Bibles that took a month and some of you guys were here every day. Uh, working on those Bibles and um, sometimes well we're getting ready to have a Bible conference and you guys know how that goes and how exhausting that can be I don't know about you guys but when I go home at night As soon as my head hits the pillow, I am gone, you know, because it can be. it It can be very, very exhausting, going to conferences and all these things associated with church life. But let me also say this, and those who are involved in ministry or have been involved in ministry for very long, wouldn't you agree that, yeah, the busyness of church is exhausting, but isn't it also more exhausting when you have to deal with people at times have you ever been in a counseling situation or a or a discipleship situation it can be kind of exhausting i'm just kidding jb i'm giving you a hard time it can be exhausting it really can be i mean especially if someone is proving rebellious against your counsel or someone is, their life is just full of drama they just can't seem to put the pieces together. And here you are trying to help them uh, put the pieces together. And they just can't they just can't seem to do it. I mean, there's a lot of different issues. I mean, I, I, I think of Steve and the folks that he deals with in life issues and those folks that help Steve in life issues. And I've heard some stories from Steve, uh, him getting up like at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and then going to take care of a situation and then not going back home but going straight into work afterwards you know that's that's just plain exhausting because people demand time and energy and and love and i mean they can be quite quite demanding and they can be quite a drain on one's resources and energy i'm not complaining that's just bare fact isn't it That's just, I know I've been a drain on many, many people myself. It's just a, yeah, okay, Diane. It's just a fact, right? Uh, So Mark tells us that Jesus had gone over near the treasury and sat down. Uh, He was tired. He had spent the morning teaching people. He had spent the morning dealing with his opponents. Uh, He had spent the morning with the Pharisees and the scribes. And now he found a nice shady place to rest. I don't know about you, but that's an encouragement to me. To know that even Jesus uh, needed a break. Right? Even Jesus uh, needed a break. And I guess that's the point. There's nothing wrong with taking a break. There's nothing wrong with taking a break. Our pastor Brian is with his family down in Branson. He's, he's taking a little bit of a break. And the reason why I say, uh, say that, because I was exposed to a church, not that I was a member of, I think it was one of the churches that we went on a discipleship trip, but I was exposed to a tr- church that, the, that they honestly believed that the pastor had no rights to take a vacation. And their expectation of their pastor was that he would be on call 24-7. Now that's just, that's just not right. That's just not right. If you read through the Gospels, how many times do we read Jesus taking his disciples apart into a quiet place for them to rest? You've got to take a break. You just do. you got to take a break because if you don't take a break, you're going to burn out. And what good are you to anyone if you are burned out? Right. So Jesus took a little break. He went into a little place uh, to get out of the to get out of the sun, maybe uh, to catch his breath. And while he was there uh, where he was uh, taking a break, he was watching the folks uh, giving their offerings. Now, the temple and this is a really rough Uh, schematic but the temple was divided up into sections okay kind of like what we've got here we've got the four uh, the, the what is that called the outer room there the foyer foyer. I almost said it I wasn't sure if that was the right word and then we call this what the sanctuary and then we got the E wing and so forth well that's the same way with the temple we have a priestly court where only the priests were allowed you know because that's where they did the sacrifices and all that then they had the men's court where the men would gather for the worship service and then they had the women's court, and, in the, and then you had the court of the Gentiles, okay, where only the Gentiles could go. So here in the women's court, this is where they, the treasury was, and in the women's court, what they did was is along the outer wall of the women's court, they placed these receptacles. And these receptacles, there were about 13 of them, these receptacles were large wooden boxes. And and coming out of these large wooden boxes was a, was a brass receptacle that was shaped like the, the a horn, okay? And so you had this broad horn with a small throat that went down into a box. And so, in fact, that's what they referred to them. They referred to them as the trumpets in the, in the women's court. And so, this, this large receptacle, these large receptacles, uh, would be all, all through this, on the side of the women's court, so that the folks could come and make their offerings inside these receptacles. And according to some folks, they claim that Jesus would be sitting on the steps of what was referred to as the beautiful gate. Now, do you remember something about the beautiful gate that's where Jesus, or that's where Peter and John healed the lame man in the book of acts all right so Jesus is sitting on the steps in what was known as as the beautiful gate. And the uh, same place where that lame man would later on be healed by Peter and John. And as he sat there, he observed the people dropping in their, these these offerings in these 13 receptacles. And these 13 receptacles, according to some of the sources that I read, uh, were labeled. Uh, they were all labeled. So when you were making an offering, you were making an offering to whatever was designated on the box. We do the same thing in our offering envelopes, right? We've got regular giving, then we've got building fund, and then we got some blank spaces if you want to support a ministry or if you want to give to this or that. So we do the same thing on our, on our, on our offering envelopes. And that's what they were doing here with these receptacles. Some of these receptacles would be used to purchase the wood that, that was burnt on the altar. Some of it would be used to, to purchase the incense. Some of it would be you know, used for other things that was required in the, the worship service. Uh, other receptacles were t- for the upkeep of the temple. Uh, repairs or cleaning or anything like that. And then some of the receptacles were for the poor, uh, for um, poor people. Or the priests, some of the priests weren't well off, okay? And so that would go to help some of the poor priests as well. And so these gifts, these gifts, understand, were above the tithe. Alright, this is not the tithe, these are gifts that were above that, that expected tenth, thus the word gift, because that's exactly what it means, okay, it's a gift, uh, these were presents, or free will offerings made by the people, uh, to be given, in the spirit of what the psalmist said, in Psalms 50, 54, verse 6, where he says, I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. So these were expressions of one's devotion and love for God and, you know, wanting to keep, you know, things in the temple going and all that kind of stuff. So these were these free will offerings above the tithe. Now, notice what uh, both Luke and, and Mark mentioned. That it says that these people would cast their money uh, into these receptacles. The widow cast her money, uh, the rich cast their, their money, and the people uh, cast in their money. In fact, Mark says that the widow threw in her two mites. She threw them in. Um, the same word, cast, casting. It's the same word, just a different English word. Now, I don't know, was that because of the nature of the construction of the boxes? You know, I got online to try to find, and my goodness, there's like 15 different, you know, things. So I don't think they really know for sure. But I'm thinking maybe maybe it's because of the construction, you know. Maybe maybe it's, it's set up high a little bit and you had to kind of toss it in there. And maybe it was constructed that way so some little kid couldn't reach down, and <laughs> you know how kids are. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's what it is or not. I, it's just interesting to me uh, that they would throw the money in, the, in these uh, in these receptacles. So I got to thinking and I started looking at this word "casting" a little a little closer and how it was used. And um, what I found was this. The casting in of the money is an illustration or a demonstration of freely offering the money, right? Freely offering the money into the care of another and letting it go. It was an act of this is my offering. I'm letting it go to be used as the Lord sees fit. So it's a it's an act of separation that you were making. The casting. The casting. And that's really is reflective of the hearts of giving, isn't it? You're letting go of something that is yours into the care of someone else to do with it whatever needs to be done. It's that separation. I no longer lay claim to this. It is now yours or it's now the Lord's. So I think that's what the casting is all about. I think that's what the casting is all about. It's the, it's the idea of giving a gift away to another for their enjoyment And you no longer lay any claim to it. That's really the spirit of gift giving, isn't it? Now, the deal with the rich people, probably not all the rich people, but you know how people are. Uh, The rich people would go from one receptacle to another. And they would loudly proclaim how much they were giving. Now maybe they wouldn't do it with the words but if you had a handful of money and you tossed it into that brass receptacle what kind of noise do you think that would make? That'd make a pretty big noise wouldn't it? And of course the more coins you had the bigger the noise, right? So I can see some guy pretty proud of himself with a handful of coins tossing these coins in there, making a big racket. Or maybe if they're really good about it, they toss them in one at a time. <laughs> wow, he gave 35, you know, whatever. Point is, they wanted everyone to know how generous they were. In their giving now Jesus talked about that didn't he and he said folks like that they do they receive their reward and you know what that reward is yeah the vain praise of men and that's as far as it's going to go you know years ago as a guest um, I don't know if you remember this Uh, We attended a church where the names of the big uh, donors of the church were placed on a plaque, a brass plaque, right there in the entrance. I mean, that was one of the first things you saw when you entered into this church. And um, talking to some folks, I'd learned, I made mention of the plaque, and I had learned that there was um, some bickering over this plaque, And uh, the bickering was this. Some of the folks wanted to list the names alphabetically, all right, to kind of keep some, what is the word I'm looking for, some anonymity. Other folks, no, we want it listed according to the biggest donors on down. Well, looking at the list, (laughs) the alphabetizers uh, lost that debate. (laughs) So it was the big donors that were at the top of the list. They wanted everybody to know how much or they were the big donors. I mean, that's human nature, isn't it? We want people to know. We want people to know. Because uh, men prefer the praise of men. Now, Jesus watched these men cast in of their abundance. He noticed this widow working her way through the crowd to, to go to one of these receptacles. And when she went to this receptacle... Uh, she tossed in two mites, two mites. What a contrast. is seen between this widow and these wealthy men. I mean, if you look here in Luke, right here, up here in Luke uh, chapter 20, 46 through 47... What does Jesus say to the audience, to the people and to his disciples? He says, beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses and for a shoe or show make long prayers. Right? So what a contrast between the wealthy and this widow. Between the shallow hypocrisy of the scribes who devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers. You know, there is such a thing as religion with all of its show and there is such a thing as relationship. You know, this, this widow showed her sincerity while these other guys were just simply showing off their abundance her religion if you will was genuine while the religion of folks like the scribes it was simply a shallow sham meant for men to see and that's what was going on with some of these I'm not saying all of them but with some of these rich guys it was a sham for others to see Now, what is a mite? Now a mite is not a small little bug that bites and causes itches, okay? A mite is the smallest denomination of currency used in the day. A mite, sometimes it's also called a lepton, comes from a word that means to peel. P-E-A-L. Kind of like when you peel a boiled egg. A mite was as thin as an eggshell. So that was a very small coin, very small coin in denomination, not very big at all. It was made out of copper or brass. And Mark helps us out here. He says, you know, he's he's, he's wanting us to understand, you know, the, the 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 worth of this mite. And he says in Mark 12:42, uh, she threw in two mites, which make a farthing that doesn't help me at all (laughs) a farthing what in the world is a farthing Uh, well so I got to looking at it and so you know we've got pennies we've got nickels dimes quarters half dollars uh, used to be silver dollars (laughs) well they did the same thing so here it is two mites equal one farthing or what they called a quadrant or fourth okay so it's a fourth of something so four quadrants or eight mites equals one Assyrian okay stick with me (laughs) an Assyrian was also a coin it was a Roman coin made of copper or bronze sixteen Assyrians or sixty four quadrants Or 512 mites make up one denarius. And the denarius is the penny that we read of in the Gospels. And a penny or a denarius was usually one day's wage earned by a common laborer. Okay? So one denarius equals one day's wage. All right? And so it takes... 512 of these mites to make up one day's wage JB I apologize if I miscalculated this so these two mites make up less than 0.8% of a day's wage or just under 6 minutes of work in a 12 hour workday. not a whole lot Not a whole lot of value there. As I would mentioned earlier, these gifts were offered as an expression of honor or devotion to God, right? In order to maintain or support the the, the temple and and the worship service and so forth and so on. It also went to some of the poor. So what I'm picturing, and it's not here in the text. So what I'm picturing is, is this poor widow, I'm assuming, went to the box that was designated for the poor possibly the poor priests and so out of her penury out of her want she gave to those who were poor like her and you know I've discovered that folks are generous to those who they can relate to there's a story told of a uh, what was that fund that used to go around the United Fund we, yeah when you would give to a certain and one man refused to give until his wife contracted cancer and then he became one of the biggest givers in his workplace to the cancer cancer fund why did he do that? because it touched him where, it lived, where he lived So that's what I'm thinking that this widow did. And so when this widow went to this horn or whatever it was, and she threw in her two mites, how much noise do you think that may have made? Plink, plink. Not it. If that. If that. And yet Jesus saw that. And Jesus saw that, and not only did he see it, he pointed it out. He called his disciples over to him, and he pointed her out. Out of all those folks who were making all of these grand offerings, Jesus points out this widow with her two mites. Now, honestly, lay aside your Christianity. (laughs) Lay aside all of that. Now, honestly, if you were up there, you were one of the disciples, and you were watching all of the high rollers throw in their money... Right? And just for a minute, if you were to happen to notice this this gal come up and and put her money, her little two mites in there, wouldn't you have thought, why bother? (laughs) What difference is that going to make compared to what everybody else is giving? Or maybe why didn't she just keep that she could have used that you know she could have used that for herself why did she do that why didn't she just keep it for herself it's such a small offering why bother well a man looks on the appearance doesn't he I mean, what possible value could these two small mites have in comparison to the need or in comparison to the amount that others were giving? Don't we sometimes think that way? Chances are when the money was collected and counted and they found those two mites, I could almost hear someone say, can you believe this? (laughs) What good is this going to do? You know, it takes over 500 of these to make up a day's wage. What good is this going to do? Chances are they may have even put it in their pocket or discarded it. I don't know. I don't know. But people have this mentality. I mean, haven't you seen folks in the parking lot when they drop a penny? and they look at it and they just keep on walking but boy if they drop a quarter they'll crawl underneath a car to get it have you done that Shane? (laughs) okay (laughs) but they will they'll do it I love it Jesus puts it all in perspective for his disciples that's why he calls them over see man looks on the heart but what does the Lord look on? A man looks on the appearance, outward appearance, but what does the Lord look on? The heart, doesn't he? Yeah, he looks on the heart. She, um, what she gave was a, an insignificant amount as far as value. But in principle, it was priceless. It was Priceless. He says in Luke 21, 4, For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God, but she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. These rich men gave of their abundance. Now let me say this. Jesus is not being critical of these men. Okay? He's not. Um, he, it's, he doesn't have anything against the rich. All he's doing is he's making an observation that these men gave of their abundance. It made little difference on their bank account. All right? So his estimation of what was given is not based upon monetary value. It's based upon the heart. It's based upon the heart. I remember a conversation I had some years ago with a woman where her and her husband had given a certain amount to the church and for them it was a sacrifice, for them it was a great deal of money. But uh, she was lamenting about the amount that they had given because a good friend of hers, whose husband had a better job, was able to give more. And I don't know if her friend put her on a guilt trip or not, but she felt bad about not being able to give more. What they gave was a sacrifice for this couple. I know this couple. And so what they gave was a sacrifice. So I I tried to console her, and I told her that God looks on the heart, not the amount, And I told her if her and her husband gave If it was a sacrifice to them And they willingly gave this With a sincere heart Then she should be content and be thankful God sees that God sees the heart and the giving You know what a snare that proves to be to us So often times when we measure ourselves by ourselves Don't we God doesn't look at it like that But we do we do Jesus said that this woman gave of her penury now I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right but that means she gave of her deficiency she gave of what uh, she lacked in a church um, I was a member of some years ago I served as a deacon, and part of the role of the deacon uh, was uh, we gathered the collection, and then we got the collection prepared uh, to send it to the bank. Okay, and so we had to separate the denominations and, and, and the envelopes and everything that came in, and just get it all organized for the folks who were to take it to the bank. And usually, there there are two. There were two of us assigned to this task. And it was never the same two guys, right? They mixed that up and so it was rotated through the deacons to take care of this one Sunday and I remember this <laughs> one Sunday when it was my turn I was assisting another elder deacon I mean this guy was long and tooth but he was faithful to the core I mean he was there every time the doors opened he was a good, good man and uh, we were taking care of the offering in, in this little room and we heard a knock on the door <laughs> and one of the members of the church Peeked his door into the room, and he he told us. He says, "You know," he says, um, "I accidentally I accidentally dropped a twenty dollar bill in the plate, and I only meant to give five dollars. Can I get fifteen dollars back?" <laughs> and now uh, the older saint man he didn't miss a beat, and he said, "No, you cannot. It's now the Lord's money." And so the member, he looked a little, you know, uh, and then he said, okay. He says, well, at least the Lord will give me credit for $20. And again, without missing a beat, the older deacon says, nope. You're only going to get credit for the $5 because that's what you intended to give in the first place. I thought, wow, wow. Good for him. That taught me a lesson. But good for him. Second Corinthians 9, 7. Every man according as he purposes is in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. That man was not a cheerful giver that day. He lost out on $15. You know, when we give feeling pressured into it by a man or we give grudgingly, or we do it for the praise of men or even to salve our conscience is that really the right spirit to give no oh, it's all about the heart in fact when you like this fella with, if your heart attitude is wrong that kind of devalues the gift doesn't it I mean, how would you like it if your mom and dad gave you a birthday present and hand it here I guess you deserve this I don't know but here it is anyway how would you feel about that How would you feel about that? It kind of devalues the gifts Doesn't it? 2 Corinthians 8.12 For if there be first a willing mind It is accepted according to that a man hath And not according to to that he hath not Just like the gal who lamented About her husband or herself Not being able to give more Right? They gave what they could and then some They give what they could and then some See, God sees the heart behind the gift, not the hand of the gift. Right? If the heart wanted to give more but was unable to do so, God sees that. But if the hand gives more than what the heart was willing to give, God sees that, doesn't he? Sure he does. You see it's not the portion that God sees it's the heart it's the motive it's the spirit behind the the gift so the best gift given is given by love motivated by love i mean stop and think about it was that not the motive of god when he gave us eternal life for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that's the best motive in giving a gift. You give out of love. You give out of a love for God. You give out of a love for God's people. And this kind of gift is of great value in the eyes of God. And it was this kind of gift that was of great value in the eyes of Jesus when that woman gave those two mites. It's not the monetary worth of the gift. It's the motive. It's the... It's the um, the heart of giving the gift. It's the heart of giving the gift. So it's the motive. It's the motive. Uh, another thing about gift giving, besides the spirit behind the gift or the, uh, or the motive of, of the gift, is um, the personal sacrifice involved. The personal sacrifice involved. You know, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me. But in the matter of giving, uh, where I'm challenged is not so much in the specific amount to, that I give, but it's in what I want to hold back from giving. That's the challenge for me. It's what is it I'm holding back? What is it I'm holding back? You know, many times God has impressed me or compelled me to give a certain amount. And man, inside me, it's just just a struggle. I know clearly it's God speaking to me boy I tell you I wrestle I wrestle what about this much Lord instead of this much you know it's the holding what am I holding back so after a while like Jacob wrestling with God he touches the sinew of my thigh and I give in but it's always what am I holding back now stop and think about that because that doesn't always that doesn't always apply to just the money either does it that also applies to time it also applies to inconvenience or comfort or service right what am i holding back when I know God wants me to give what are you grinning about alright I'll tell it personal confession I have these cheap piggy banks at home and all my loose change goes into these cheap piggy banks well I have a piggy bank sitting on my dresser and you guys know about this don't you yeah, I fill it up and buy a new one. All right? So, anyway, I had this one sitting on my dresser. It's almost full. Almost, I'm almost there. We have VBS. And Diane says, Why don't you contribute that piggy bank to VBS? <laughs> Almost full! I've almost filled it up. Well, honey. Really? This is for Pradeep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and uh, gritting my teeth. Because it's almost full. I don't know if you guys can relate to, you know, it's a it's a goal almost accomplished. Well. He touched the sinew of my thigh and I gave him. (laughs) But that's what I'm talking about. It's just weird things like that. You know? What are you holding back on? That God is wanting you to, to give. To give. A cheap old piggy bank. You know? So again, it's not so much the portion that God looks at. It's it's the heart. And the uh, and then the one more thing here on this. And it kind of ties in. In the act of giving, turn to Second Samuel twenty four. In this widow's might, and the lesson he's trying to teach his disciples. In the act of giving, there is always Personal sacrifice involved genuine grace giving there's always personal sacrifice involved in 2 Samuel 24 we read of the story when the prophet Gad was giving instructions to King David to set up an altar to sacrifice unto the Lord because the Lord had sent a plague upon the people to chastise them for their sin and in 2 Samuel 24 18, and Gad came that day to David and said unto him, go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of our Ar- Aronua, or something like that, the Jebusite, Arun- the, the Jebusite. So David did as he was commanded. He went to this man's uh, threshing floor. Uh, verse 19, and David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord command commanded, and Aronah looked and saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arona went out and bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. And Arona said, You see, the Lord knows I can't pronounce his name, that's why he throws it in here so many times. Wherefore is my Lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed for the temple so what David did here was he offered to purchase the threshing floor of this man uh, so that he could make an offering and thus uh, stave off the plague that God had sent upon the people for their sin in Arana, perhaps being overwhelmed by the king's visit or by the king's mission what did he do well look here in verse 22 and Arunah said unto David let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him behold here be oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for wood all these things did Arunah as a king give unto the king and Arunah said unto the king the lord thy god accept thee he was going to give it all free to David take it it's yours See, there's the spirit of sacrificial giving. That was the man's livelihood. Take it. Take it all. Use it. Use it to, to make a sacrifice unto the Lord so the Lord will, will save the people from this plague. Take it all. Take it all. And I love what it says here about Arna, where God, the Holy Spirit, gives him honor. He says that Arona gave as a king, gives unto a king. Arunah was not a king, but he was behaving like a king. This was a kingly gesture on Arunah's part. And the Lord honored this man by putting this epitaph about him in the word of God. He was giving like a king unto the king. But verse 24, David would have none of this. And the king said unto Arunah, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was staved from Israel. The hearts of these two men... For the hearts of kings the one freely offered his livelihood to king David for an offering for the people and David would not make an offering unless it was a personal sacrifice to himself unless it cost me that's sacrificial giving what does it cost you What does it cost you? Now David, could he afford the 50 shekels of silver? Oh yeah, being a king, I'm sure he could. I'm sure he could afford even more. But that's not the point. It's not the amount. It's the personal costs. David said, I'm not going to make an offering that doesn't cost me something. It's that personal cost. You know, to one man it may be a vast sum, and to another man it may not, but that's not the point. That's not the point. The gifts of the rich in the treasury, that day they cast in of their abundance, it, it didn't make a dent in their bank account. It didn't make a dent in their bank account. There was no personal sacrifice on their part made. But this widow who threw in all of her living That cost her her breakfast, her lunch, and her dinner. That was true sacrificial giving. That's what the Lord's pointing out. Sacrificial giving is not measured by how much you give, but in how much are you keeping back? A piggy bank? (laughs) How much are you keeping back? she cast in all her living all her living Romans 8 32 he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things I read a preacher one time say that if it were possible to stretch God to his limits in power, love everything that he is that limit was reached when he offered up his only begotten son sacrificial giving when we give willingly and sacrificially according to what we have not holding back We're giving like kings. We're giving like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's grace giving. And that's the type of giving that God sees and God honors. Holy Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your love and for your sacrificial giving on our behalf. Father, we have got a long way to go. But help us, Father, that as we uh, live our life for you, that uh, those times uh, that you would have us to not hold back, but to freely give all things. Oh, Father in heaven, give us the grace to do so. For we know, Lord, that it is that kind of giving that brings pleasure to your heart. And we want to please you. Thank you, Father, for your great sacrificial love on our behalf. And I pray, Lord God, that we would learn to love you as you deserve. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so remember.